0: Hello and welcome to Spoil Your Reign. This is episode 14.
1: My name is Ben Simmons.
0: And I'm Jack Kavanagh. And we're here to
1: discuss the formation of a government. So after 70 long days of waiting, we finally have uh, an odd minority government situation.
0: Yeah, we we basically have the smallest government in the history of the state, which requires... Fianna Fáil to support them on matters of confidence and on the budget. But that's a wider issue. But even in just the sort of nitty gritty, Andy Kenny got re-elected as Taoiseach with 58 votes out of 158. Mm-hmm. So 44 Fianna Fáilers abstained and allowed him to be elected, basically. Or 43 Fianna Fáilers abstained and let him be re-elected. That's not a vote of confidence. That's not... It's not know, a mandate. It's not a mandate to do anything. Um, and he knows it. I mean, it's, it's it's not news to him. He's dealing with the cards he was dealt, right? And I understand that. Um, but we now have what on paper is the most right-wing government in the history of the state. On paper. Because can they implement any of this right-wing stuff? No. Yeah. But on paper it is. And they are in the ministries, you know. Mm. Like it is a nearly completely Fine Gael government, which we've never had before.
1: Yeah, there was only three cabinet members that are obviously the independents. That the independents who co opted into the deal. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, it's odd. There was a an article that was presented by Shane Coleman in the Independent, and oddly, he sort of points back to the by election of Paul Murphy, uh, who is in twenty fourteen. Yeah, who. There was sort of an expected Sinn Fein candidate was not successful. Oh, it was and, knocked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Paul Murphy got in. Now, the, essentially, his argument is that it's the what he puts as the certain amount, the small number of Trotskyites, are essentially sort of dictating the policy. I don't really buy into that at all. Uh, he also pointed out he pointed to the idea that uh, that there is no sensible center of discussion that the the party or Fine Gael had been required to move left in order to appease a certain populism in terms of the attitude towards water charges. And he sort of, he indicated what I thought I totally disagree with, that the actual government has a left or socially left social democratic mandate that would be part, like any social democratic party in Europe would be happy to take. No. Now that, that I think that's just a complete misreading of what the actual situation is.
0: Yeah. But also like look at who they put into the ministries. Yeah. You know, Leo Varadkar is an avowed pro-Thatcher guy, right? And that's not a a blow. That's not me hitting Leo. He would come out and say that himself. He likes Maggie. He's all into all of that kind of unrelenting free market capitalism. Don't you regulate nothing and if it all goes to hell or handbasket, well, that's nothing to do with me. It's that kind of, you know, let it all go off mentality. And you're allowed to have it. It's a free country. Um, But he's in charge of social protection. Which is the department that's supposed to deal with social inequality? That's not a left wing choice. No, like John Burton wasn't no left wing choice, but putting him in there is is totally different. There are people within Fine Gael who are liberals who you could have put in there. Yeah, but they put him there. That that's it, a point. You make a point when you put people in those positions.
1: Well, Vicar seems to want to tackle what is perceived to be overspent. Money, yeah,
0: yeah, sort of budgetary clawback, yeah, it's it's the clawback. Uh, and look, there are the little, rationalization yeah, but there's a lot of problems in social protection. It's a huge department. Yeah. It pays out loads of duplicate payments. There's, there is a, there is a need to centralise and make it simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, creating kind of more universal payments. We did a whole podcast on that. I don't think that's what he's going to do. I think what he's going to do is he's going to go out of his way to target specific groups. To reduce the money we spend on them because he knows that, A, they're not going to vote for him and his constituency, and B, they're not going to vote for his party. There's just, there are certain realities in that department. If you come from Fine Gael and from Fine Gael Heartland, you're never going to get these voters anyway. So they don't care. Now, the thing is, any cuts that he's talking about doing, like the first thing he'd come out and say, well, we've got work activation, that's like code for cut dull. <laughs> you know like that. that's what um, Cochrane used to come out when Cochrane was the, the Minister for Social Welfare back in the late 2000s when the cuts were really coming in she would say oh it's all about work activation that she'd cut the doll by 16 euro so we know what that means um, or so not Cochrane Hannafin and so that's what he's all about but now I don't think Fianna Fáil are going to let him do that I don't think Fianna Fáil are interested in allowing the kind of unrelentingly vicious thatcherite policies on poor people that could come out of someone like Leo Varadkar. I'm not saying that he's going to do it but I'm saying he's in that world right Mm -hmm. he's not as bad as those people because he's elected in this country but he has that mentality and he's definitely sympathetic to some of those arguments. the Indo article is interesting because I mean obviously the Indo is a right wing paper, right? So anything that's not like totally in sync with their right wing utopia is like all lefty and kinda and that word Trotskyist is just thrown around an awful lot. Yeah. Anyway, never we're not gonna go into why no, they use no. that term. But like there's a one argument that they make which is true. There are six AAA P B P people and there are seven Labour people. Roughly synonymous. You know? Mm-hmm. Roughly the same size. But I think that has less to do with right versus left and a lot more to do with what has the labour party become it has become a liberal party it's not a social democratic party it's a liberal party the way the green party is a liberal party uh they really want to make sure that people can do what they want in their own personal lives they're not too interested in how much you get paid no the other guys don't care about really what happens in your personal life. They'll vote yes for all the things that people want them to vote yes for, but that's not what they get all excited about. No. They care about economic issues. They care about how much is the minimum wage. Are uh, unions being protected? That kind of thing. That's the more traditional social democratic point of view. So that is the divide. It's the divide between liberals and social democrats. And that's actually a divide that's becoming bigger throughout all the European traditional social democratic parties is that they are breaking apart within this axis. You know, yes. between traditional liberals and social democrats.
1: I think there were another uh, another number of interesting appointees as well.
0: That they came kept out. the AG. Yeah, they kept the Attorney General. Okay, so we had our we have our first and only female Attorney General. Her name is Moira Whelan. Now, Moira Whelan was a Labour Party appointee. Now, the Attorney General is very important. The, the, the role isn't scrutinized all that much, but it is a very important job. The, the their, office advises the government on every piece of legislation that they pass it also advises them on all of the european regulations and the most important job is is something constitutional and does it necessitate necessitate a referendum now on that issue she has been wrong more than once and for that reason i thought that enda should have got rid of her Mm -hmm. and replaced her with uh, another bright talented lawyer who has been right. A constitutional lawyer would probably make the most sense because I don't think she is. I think she's a barrister. Um, I don't think a senior barrister is actually appropriate for that role. You actually should put either an academic or a constitutional lawyer because it's about the constitution. It's about thinking about it in terms of does this piece of legislation work with this clause or does it work with this clause? And it's not about can I argue this in front of the high court with my wig and my gown? That's a very different that's theater. That's a whole other. You're winning an argument through rhetoric there, rather than through the cold, dead pages of law. You know, it's a very different skill set. And I think we make a we make a pro. We have created problems there when we appoint barristers to things that should actually be done by kind of cold, reasoned um, legal analysis. It's a very different skill set. Mm-hmm. One is rhetorical. The other is just far more clinical.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's also going to be a more Sort of important role as we keep going there's more and more legislation and is in conflict about... with our constitution Yeah, yeah
0: of course. I yeah. mean like they're already talking about one of the things that came out of the when, when the cabinet was formed uh, was the last week they were talking about they're going to have another one of these constituent assemblies We knew that was coming That's <laughs> us, get out of jail free card any shit that he doesn't want to deal with controversial we'll farm it out and they're talking about between six and seven referendums now you do a constituent assembly, you're going to have maybe 10, 11 new issues. <laughs> if they are talking about putting even potentially on the table ten constitutional referendums, there has to be a moment where we go, okay, the madness must stop now. We can't have fifty amendments to the constitution in a constitution that's not even hundred years old. That means we need a new one, right? And I keep saying this, but like we're gonna, like it costs money to do this. This isn't yeah. cheap. Changing the constitution costs millions of pounds or euros. Um, it would be cheaper to draft a new one. Yeah. Just even on a fiscal case. Yeah. You know, like 11 to 12 referendums. That's about 1.2 to 1.4 million a pop. Yeah, it's big money.
1: So you're getting into 15 million. 15 million, time.
0: yeah, yeah. To change, to change things like, you know, the place of the woman in the home and all of this mental stuff that's in our constitution that shouldn't be there. And I want to get rid of it too. But at the same point... The only way it makes fiscal sense is to put six or seven of them together. But every time you put six or seven of them together, what happens is Joe Public goes into the polling booth and goes, what the hell is this? (laughs) I don't know what half of these are. It's in Irish first. They don't understand that either. And then there's the problem because all of our constitutional stuff has to go to the Irish language first, which, to be honest, if I was going to reform the Constitution, I would do that first and foremost. I would actually remove Irish as the prima facie kind of... um, forefront of our legal understanding because most of the concepts that we're talking about have no equivalent in irish there was no airplanes in irish there was no modern technology at a time when the irish language was spoken fluently by hundreds of thousands of people that hasn't been the case since the 18th century so the idea that somehow you could put our entire legal and constitutional system through a language that is spoken by less than 20% of the population and expect that constitutionally it's going to make sense, that's just not going to happen. This is how we ended up with the um, the, the drink driving bans being struck down because it had, had to be, if you were an Irish language speaker, they had to question you in Irish whether you were hammered, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that the new government is going to have to deal with. So... It's interesting it took 70 days a lot of chaos a lot of faffing around everybody kind of knew what was going to have to happen anyway but they all had to kind of go to the kabuki theater and the dance and all that but they're actually facing real problems and some of them are sort of for lack of a better word substantive but in your face okay so homelessness is an in your face problem you see it it's in front of you drug addiction is an in your face problem that's that's right in front of you. And you have to throw money at it, but you also have to think long-term about how do you fix it or alleviate it over time. But then there's the not-so-obvious problems that are like bombs gonna, that are going to hit you down the road. And a lot of those have to do with fundamental constitutional systems, but they also have to do with the fact that uh, our education system is like collapsing at certain elements of it, and so is our health system. And the reason those two departments have continually been a problem since the 70s is because way back when we formed the state, we never paid for it. So we never had a tax basis from the foundation of the state designed to pay for a modern 21st century or even 20th century health and education system, because a lot of that was handled by private entities, mm-hmm. by the church, in partnership with the state. But they didn't have to pay as much for it. And so as we've nationalized these sort of local or semi-private organized um, entities, right, Uh, schools and hospitals we end up in a situation where we never had to pay for this before and now how do we pay for it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah the system does need to be sort of taken on very quickly if they're hoping to sort of make any inroads as the sort of small uh, I actually government. have a lot
0: of faith for our new minister for health. I have to say, I know he's like everyone. The first thing that annoyed me was everyone gave him crap for being young. Well, he's but the same, he, is Simon Harris. Simon he's, Harris is, is our age, right? And,
1: and, and he, so let's
0: let's let's give a cheer for someone our age actually being in a position of power. You know.
1: And he said pretty much as soon as he got the nomination that he wants to move away from a sort of HSE model.
0: He said he's going to get rid of it. Yeah. He wants to go back to the trusts, which is kind of like health boards, but not. I don't know how that's going to work, but. I think anything that gets rid of the health the HSC is a good idea.
1: Okay. Do you think it'll be complete structural change overall or do you think it'll be more like um I think we sort start of with, doing it sort yeah. of retroactively, so you start with say a new system that's fundamentally designed to deal with say the younger and older populations and then branch it out to mm everyone yeah. or do you do it in terms I think of
0: I've, well I think the first thing they're going to have to do urban centers
1: and then expand it out to rural districts or
0: they'll they'll do the top 10 black sites first so the, all of the problem areas will get hit the acute care and all that kind of stuff um, that will all have to be dealt with yeah I, I think you're right I think what they'll do is they'll if they're smart about it and if they get the wiggle room to do it this is the other thing they only have 58 votes they need consensus <laughs> if they can lock in Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil to a 10-year plan, which is unlikely, but if they manage it or try to get a 10-year funding platform, right, which would mean from now until 2026 that they have put money aside to fix this issue, then they could do what we're talking about, which is to restructure all of it and sort of remove some of the national centres and move other ones into these smaller private trusts. I don't know how it's going to work because you just talked about it. It's just yeah. been it's just talk they haven't seen any legislation or anything.
1: like we are in the very early days of seeing people discuss intentions and sort of their hopes maybe for development as they go into well i don't cabinet. a lot
0: of I mean, a lot of the commentary i'm sure you saw this as well was that people are like oh well this government is just going to tick time over yeah. until the next general election i, I don't think, so. think they can no i don't think there's any there's there's no exit ramp for that kind of uh, Policy, right? Because that that is a very uh, traditionally Irish policy, actually. If you have an unstable government, you kind of write it out for a little bit. You do a year or two. This is what he did, right? You do a year or two from 87, to 89. You do your talent strategy. You do a few deals with Fine Gael, and then you go for an election.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think these guys can do that because they know that everything is so fractured that they could end up with a totally ungovernable situation.
1: One of the things that I I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's kind of curious with the certain amount of chaos where you had the uh, sort of the silly comments about the smoking ban, which has I taken know. over far too much.
0: That took over all the media for airspace, a couple days. Where,
1: where Okay, there was never any chance of it being rolled back. There's going to be debates about what the government should and shouldn't legislate, but there's not going to be an introduction of smoking areas in restaurants and bars, at least in the immediate future. I don't Although,
0: see. although I will say this, uh, the government doesn't have a majority. No, that's true. So you true. don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I, well, okay. I don't, I don't want to talk too much about smoking, because I have my own very personal views on it. But I, I do think that the, the, the taxation element of it, so the money part of this, mm-hmm. we've reached a point now where for the last six years, every budget, there have been set targets to be raised from tobacco exercises, and every year they've missed the target, right? And what ends up happening is they end up taking money new revenue and throwing it at revenue protection officers to go out and confiscate millions of cigarettes coming in as bananas and stuff like that. It's a waste of money, right? The sugary drinks tax is gonna do the same thing, right? You're gonna have guys in our ma selling Fanta in the back of a <laughs> Nissan micro. Okay. Like, like we know how black markets work. Yeah. You don't have a black market unless there's a want, a need either an addictive one or just a sort of pissed off one. But there, there will be a... There, if you start to just tax like a can of soda, so now a can, like a small can of Coke is four euros, of course you're going to go to Northern Ireland to buy a slab of can of Coke. You'll drink more because you're pissed off. You'll be buying it in bulk. <laughs> buying it in bulk, yeah. There is a reverse um, psychology that kicks in there.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more constructive ways, I think, of doing that. Like... Like one of the simple ones is introducing healthy options in schools and getting rid of certain things like, you know, fried food on every menu in the country. You know, like there's there are more constructive ways to actually doing it where it doesn't necessarily get limits people's choice. And it's not like you're saying to everyone, you have to have this diet. But like if you're doing it through taxation all the time, I think people just go to different alternatives.
0: Yeah. And you also just breed a huge black market and you end up then spending more money to tackle that. And then what's the point?
1: Yeah. Uh, the other thing obviously smoking ban we'll just move aside from McGrath's comment because I don't I... Oh, The one thing I'll say about it is yeah. he's
0: been a TD since 2002 and he's had the same view then right? and the only thing I'll say about him is whether you agree with him or not can we at least say that the man is consistent
1: Yes If there's
0: one <laughs> thing in Irish politics that people get hammered for is For not being consistent, and this is a guy who has consistently held to his views yeah. whether you like them or
1: not. And it's not like he was the health minister discussing this, he's it wasn't that that's he's wasn't minister the minister for Department. disabilities or yeah. whatever the hell that means. I and mean, what is that ministry? Oh, yeah, here's the junior you know, ministry. Yeah, this happen. is the thing
0: about junior ministers, right? A, what are, what are they for, right? Because they they rep they replaced something called parliamentary secretaries. Mm-hmm. Now, they were very different, parliamentary secretaries existed right up into the 70s. I think the Brits still have them um and so they would function like they were like junior ministers but they were more embedded in the department right so they weren't used the way we use junior ministers now is the senior minister is off doing something really important and the junior minister is going to go out there and take all the heat for all the crappy decisions that the senior minister just made which is basically what happened to labor like the senior minister would do some terrible thing and then flee and then the junior minister would be sent out there to defend something that he or she thought was stupid so it's become a part of our political process that is kind of superfluous. While the parliamentary secretaries actually had a role, a very strictly legally defined job, and they were quite good at it. Right. right. So Charlie Hawhey was a first brought in. His first government job was he was the parliamentary secretary for the Department of Justice in the 50s. And one of the things that he looked at was family law and creating legislation to... And he worked with the department to draft legislation to sort of work out... How do we sort, sort out inheritance for widows and things like that? Very good legislation that had been waiting for 30 years for someone to put the back into it. So it actually had a, a much, you would never see a junior minister be able to do that now. No junior minister would be given the power legally to mm-hmm. do that in the way that the old parliamentary system allowed you to do. Right? That's a very technical kind of weedsian argument. But there is an argument for going back to that or scrapping it altogether. Because junior ministers just cost a lot of money. I don't understand what they do. Um, And I also think that we have... Like, one of the criticisms of this new cabinet was the lack of female representation, which is totally valid. The fact that there's only three of them is ridiculous. ridiculous. And it's also, by the way, there's loads of women in Fina Gael. It's not like they have a lack thereof. But the thing about the cabinet is a lot of people want... They want specific ministries for specific problems. So that this Minister for Rural Affairs thing... That has never worked in our experience. In in the experience of this country, whenever we create a new ministry to deal with a perceived problem or to give that perceived area status, Mm. it actually ends up doing the opposite. What ends up happening is you create this ministry, you put in person X to be the minister, and then the problem is promptly forgotten about because people go, oh, we have a minister and such and such is getting on with it or not, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, surely the other problem is that when you look at um, say rural affairs depending on obviously the issue whether it's like in a small town or in to do with farming the other thing is it's usually also tied whatever the problem is to an already existing purview of another minister or a cabinetship hmm. so therefore they have to go in and i mean isn't there an argument for go a back smaller... to the sort of the more senior but isn't there an argument or, for
0: a small smaller cabinet I mean, I, I do. I definitely like because the, the Constitution, 15 now. The constitution yeah. says that there it can be no smaller than seven and no greater than 15.
1: So go back to something like a 10 number. Or seven. Say,
0: yeah, seven. I like seven, actually. I like seven because seven makes sense. You take the Taoiseach out of it and then you have six. Yeah. Uh, and part of it is probably my own deeply kind of libertarian view which is that we shouldn't have this huge state doing duplicative things everywhere because I don't think that's a good idea. I think government's great for fixing certain problems but some things they do very badly Um, but also creating these hodgepodge departments like the Department of Arts, Heritage, Gale, Rural Affairs and whatever you have in yourself like, it's a huge department. Yeah. what is it doing it like apart from obviously making a lot of money for people who will now be carving new signs into the door, <laughs> I don't understand what it does. These catch all departments actually don't do much. They sort of sit there, they give out money for certain things, but they're not exactly advocates for anything, so they kind of create they're this stasis they're like gatekeepers. they just stay there,
1: you know. I do think the sort of the uh, the continuity of Noonan in finance will keep a certain amount of stability. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean... He I, will, yeah.
0: Yeah, the markets like him. Yeah. I don't really care what the market's like, but they like him, yeah. yeah. Um, but isn't there a generational question there? And that, that was some of the, the cabinet. That was the thing that struck me the most about this cabinet because, okay, there's the independent element of the cabinet. Putting Shane Ross in transport, I didn't really understand that. Uh, like... I don't have much of an opinion on Shane Ross, but I, all I would say is I hope he likes trains because <laughs> that's what his department's doing, but I, I don't know. Um, but apart from like him and a few others' independents, it, it's a Fine Gael cabinet, right? Yes. Fine Gael is at the moment dominated by people in their early 60s and some of them in their late 60s. And then there's this huge age gap and then there's younger guys in their 40s guys, and then there's Francis Fitzgerald, who I think is in her fifties. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't know her age. I think she's in her fifties. Um, and then there's obviously the younger uh, men, um, Simon Harrison, Leo Radcar. I think Leo's in his thirties, isn't he still? Or maybe he's forty now. I think yes, he's in his thirties. Oh, well, make him younger. He'll feel better. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so they do have this big problem where when the leadership goes, which it will go eventually, right? Yeah. No- Noonan's not gonna be there forever. I mean, he's tired. He's an old guy. He's cranky as it is. <laughs> um, and and, and Ender has said he would go. Now, of course, he's changed his story on that. The first thing we heard on the night of the election was, I will go within two years. And now what he's saying is, well, I'll serve out the full term and then I won't stand for re-election.
1: Well, it depends on how long the term
0: is. Yeah, well, that's a handy <laughs> bit of software. <sophist> <laughs> yeah. But when those two guys go, you know, there's going to be a problem in Saifina Gael. Who takes over and who can unite the factions? Because it's a very tribal party who can unite all that and make it work? I don't know who can. I I, I genuinely don't. There will be a dark horse candidate that we haven't thought of, obviously. And it'll be a non-dub. There will be a non-dub who will go for that. Because if you think about the names that are being circulated, right? It's all dubs, with the exception of Simon. And the reason they wouldn't put Simon in is that the country would never be able to cope with two men from Cork running the two largest parties in the country. (laughs) It just can't happen. I'm telling you, it would not happen. Uh, there would be an existential crisis if that was to happen. Two fellows from Cork. And the same constituency, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think there will be sort of an internal divide after... D- depending on how long this... But is this
0: ju- is this just an interregnum for more chaos? Is that what this is? Is this like a seven-month sort of social experiment <laughs> dreamed up by somebody and we're just sitting, sitting there It was watching. dreamed
1: up by the electorate, in all fairness. But yeah, you know? we, did, we did
0: dream this up. But I mean, I don't think so. I mean, the, the exit polls are clear. The, the electorate did not want this government back. No. And they're back now bigger, if you think about it. Bigger in terms of the fact that Fine Gael have, what, 80% of the seats of cabinet.
1: Yeah, um. but going back in terms of the cabinet, like it's the way it appears right now. I think there's a lot of distraction and inconsistency with the at uh, the now kind of public uh, communications coming from the government after both the election, seventy days of waiting around, selecting a cabinet, three independents uh, given essentially. Like, obviously, not saying anything about their abilities in the roles, just saying it as a reward for coming in on side. Fianna Fáil staying conveniently out of any, any deal, sort of executive yeah. role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's... If everyone is very, very mature and sit down and actually discuss things to get a majority of votes something interesting could happen in terms of non-majoritarian government in Ireland?
0: I think I think that's where the doll comes in. Yeah. Because right? we focus on the government because traditionally in this country, everyone focuses on the government because they always had a majority so it didn't matter what the hell the doll thought. Now it really matters. Yeah. And it also really matters what the Senate thinks because neither Fine Gael nor Fianna Fáil have a majority up there either.
1: So it'll be interesting to see if the Senate sort of proposes certain amounts of legislation. Or well, reform. they're talking about it. Yeah.
0: I mean, the first thing they're talking about is passing a reform law for themselves which would give all of us a vote on one of these panels.
1: Okay, so was it agri- one of the agriculture industrial panels? Or? There's five
0: of them, isn't there? Culture, yeah. agriculture, I don't know. Five panels, vocational panels. Vocational right? yeah. panels. Oh, yes, we're all in our vocations. You know, my, <laughs> my secret lifestyle is a Benedictine priest. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, that's constitutionally as well. That's written into the constitution that it has to be these five panels. But there's nothing in it that says that we all can't be members of them. So it means that we would all get a vote. Uh I think it's a crappy solution, but it is one. It's a start. Yeah. I would sooner have a co equal house. Yep. Actually. I'm actually cool with, with saying they can both do money stuff. Um, because I think that's the precursor to getting the executive out of the legislature. Cause then it makes then then it means that if you said to someone, we're gonna take the Taoiseach's office and shove it into the presidency and have an executive presidency then people are less freaked out because they go oh well, we have two equal houses Yeah, and they can take him on or her on if they do something we don't like it's about fear it always is about fear in this country it's like if we do this is that chance they're going to do something to me if we do that how do we keep those how do we keep that group happy or controlled you know and that's the language you hear think about all the language about the recent industrial unrest
1: I think one of the one of the essential things that'll be required at least over the next three to six months is sort of consistency in the government message, regardless of sort of in-house fighting. Keep the or,
0: recovery going. That kind of consistency. No, no,
1: no. I don't mean in terms of kind of stay on message in that, but they have to stop getting at least think, stuff like the smoking mm. comments. That kind of small silly distraction. Isn't that just more asshole journalist stuff? I no, that, no, no, no. It I mean, is asshole like, journalist stuff, but yeah. they have to be aware that they're like a minority government, and mm. not that they're going to be under the microscope because every government, and as soon as it's elected, is on the microscope. But, but it can be used. Like it's definitely an incentive to, to withdraw from supporting, you know, because like, so much of their support is based outside of their own party. But think
0: about you. Let's say you and I were finagil backbench tds right Mm -hmm. we're both elected from dublin and we're representing the nice nice houses and the two cars and all that kind of stuff that's who our constituents are you have a press shop big one
1: Mm
0: -hmm. largest party most money yeah people always forget that state money goes by size um so you hire a bunch of pr people you take them out of the colleges marketing yada 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 and they go out and they spin and they bullshit and they control the media for you. And you don't have to worry about stuff like that. You know, and they'll protect you too, if you're having a problem or if you say the wrong thing, usually the truth, you know, they, they come out and they'll fix that, they'll polish that right up. Yeah. If you're an independent, it's a kind of run-and-gun operation. And that's one of the reasons you would get elected. Because you are, you know, quote unquote, closer to the people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which means having handlers. So it's a terrible word but true having your media handlers from media communications or where, car communications or wherever you got them from is a no-no because you can't be walking around your constituency in Beaumont where Phineas McGrath's from he can't be walking around there asking for votes on you know with his handlers with him you know it doesn't, no. that doesn't you're not going to get elected that way so in a way it's the branding of the independence that's causing the problem because they're, they are totally not, not interested in, you know, media messaging and all that kind of no. stuff. Because A, they know it's facile. And B, they'll lose elections if they do that.
1: Yeah. You if know, they...
0: like the Healy Rays, they couldn't have. Imagine if they went back to Kerry with a media manager. <laughs> like they'd lose. The fourth estate haven't um, helped themselves, shall we say, in the last two weeks. No. Um, and I worry about that. Is that, is this, is this government going to be kind of, put into a box by certain journalists who just are going to pick at the independents, eight of them, because they know that they're undisciplined and they know that they're, they're individuals right Mm -hmm. in a kind of loose coalition and they're just going to hit them instead of focusing on like actual issues that matter, you know, I mean, if I was to soothsay, I'd say, yeah, probably that's probably going to happen. And we're gonna have another election, and you'll see the fucking editorials. Then will be, all well, you know, they never could get anything done. Yeah, because you wouldn't let them, you know.
1: No. Well, that's that's always, I think, the the sort of the hope that I think any of the major parties would want in terms of the disproportionate amount cons- the from our history, the disproportionate amount of independents that it's always elected. been huge, yeah, yeah. But with this amount, I think the hope is that, you know, if if an election were to come up they'd want the independence to look bad to essentially say listen you have to vote for a major party but you can't get anything done unless you vote for a sort of a cohesive majority government mm. so back to back but, to I mean, square Bertie, Bertie, one i would disagree Bertie, with that he won but... in
0: 97 and he had independence backing him up yeah and he protected his independence in 02 mm-hmm. you know i mean i i think it depends on who's in the top chair and that brings us back to Enda again and that's that's the thing as well. We, we actually have to focus more on Enda now than we did in the last government because the last government was huge. It was 113 of them elected. Think about that. 113 out of 166. They had a huge majority. So Enda as an individual, yeah, he was important, but there was such a huge mass of them
1: but it's also the troika was there which was a handy point too anything goes wrong
0: we're having our homework rated yeah Yeah, they were there exactly but in this one look at his activities so far so ignore the rhetoric right he's broken a load of promises what do you expect he's politician. his leadership tactically has shown two things one he's very very ruthless he will absolutely cut you loose if he wants to look at alan chatter spinning off over there you know he doesn't care and two he will make what he feels are strategic decisions for short-term gain long-term there is nothing there there is no there there
1: mm-hmm.
0: like he has been the leader of Fine Gael since 2002 and there is no long-term ideological or even pragmatic policy uh framework that when I think of Fina Gale that I go oh they've had this this notion for 20 years that's important the fact that they don't have that like say what you want about Fina Fall, and we can say plenty they're populists but their populism was rooted in definitely identifiable both ideological and pragmatic policy on, you know, decisions, right? They wanted to invest in public services to win votes. They wanted to create a big civil service to win votes. There was an actual kind of individual logic there that you could follow, right? There was a sort of spend money populism, which has defined them for a long time. Um, And it was their earlier version was they were part of the Holy Trinity, right? Gah, the church, Fianna Fáil. And the Commons, And they have that sense of, when you think of them, you know what they come from, right? You don't have that with Fine Gael. No. You have a muddle, right? You've got a the nagael wing, which is hard right, execute them if they get in our way. That's what they are. I mean, that's what they, there's that kind of civil war, hardcore, we're to protect the state. We're about protecting the state. We're about putting more people in jail and boosting the guards. And there is that wing. It's very small used to be the majority It's very small now right then there's the kind of we're okay with gay people we don't really care about abortion but we're all for cutting taxes cutting taxes and setting government on fire private enterprise
1: private enterprise, enterprise. enterprise as well.
0: yeah yeah and make it as small as possible yeah and then there's the centrists who are stuck who are going i'm not gene pool fianna Fáil. not a labor guy because i hate unions but i don't i don't mind the state i'm kind of comfy And they're stuck in the middle with all this. And so that means that as a party, they have this dissonance all the time within them, constant dissonance. And I'm not trying to say that to be like, I'm not trying to be a fake intellectual and saying that. I'm just saying that there is dissonance within them. You don't get a sense of lockstep behind Ende, right? They don't have that kind of Fianna Fáil chieftain thing, you know. Mm. Brian has said we're doing this, therefore we're doing this. They don't have that. They don't yeah. have that sense of just lockstep. Okay, we're following the leader now.
1: No, they seem to sort of be like task orientated.
0: Yeah, that's actually a great way of putting it. Yeah, they are. They're, they're, we'll do this thing. Mm.
1: We're going to deal with the recession However way you decide they did or did not do that. Fairness, but they had yeah, a program that yeah, but it was specifically it. designed to do that. Was it about a really a 15 foresight year? What kind of country they wanted to make? No.
0: But now that they're in a situation where they actually have to have the vision thing. This is what we talked about last year. You have to have a vision thing. Even if it's a crappy vision, have one. but like, And Garrett had one, right? And he had that whole sort of white knight thing, right? Garrett the Good was what they used to call him in the 80s, right? <laughs> compared to Charlie. Obviously, anyway, compared to Charlie was the good one, you know. Um, but it was Garrett the Good. And he had a kind of somewhat socially liberal, kind of be nice to Protestants kind of view, right? But you look at Enda and I go, okay, you can't put him on an ideological map because he's nowhere. hmm right? You look at him as a manager. He's very, very good manager. Yes, he he's good at that. He's a kind of he keeps his hand on the tiller and he knows what he's doing. Fine. But he's no vision. Which means that if you have no vision, and you're running a major party, or in this case, the largest party in the state, and you're now going into a historic reelection, where you've basically you've done the you've done the unthinkable, you've managed to get your party after being hammered at the polls back into government. And you are, like, going to go down in the history of Fine Gael. They will love you forever. But what's the vision? Where did, like, does he think, I mean, I've never, I have only met him once or twice, and obviously I never talked to him properly, right? But if I did end up in a 40-minute conversation with him, I would say to him, what is it that you want Fine Gael to look like in 2036 or 2046? what is it about this party that you want them to do or to be or to represent if i talk to younger finaghalers i i get a sense from them of what they want they might not articulate it in that way but i understand where they're coming from they they have grown up in an era where they're more comfortable thinking like that but even his own contemporaries think like that and i mean i don't understand him he's the one that confuses me because this whole government is based on him. He's the main. He's the lynchman. Yeah. Catherine Zappaponi wouldn't have voted for him, right? Um, Lowry wouldn't have voted for him unless it was him. It was about his personal relationships. Uh, Michael Fitzmaurice didn't vote for him because you can't stand them. Yeah. Do you know, it's about him. It's, it all revolves around his particular way of doing things and
1: the election of the T ship chip.
0: Yeah in a way that hard, in the way that charlie always made it the votes were always about charlie it wasn't about charlie's policies it was do you, are you with me or are you not with me
1: when they first were introduced into government uh 11
0: 11 yeah
1: the thing was is that they were brought in as a responsive party they were responding to a variety of instances and that's always what they've done yeah and that's that seems to be what's going on but like if you look at like we've like you've sort of indicated is there's no sort of introduction of a policy, we're like, we're going to introduce this. It's not going to do anything for the first few years, but by 2000 and whatever the hell, it should have this consequence that we perceive, will either save taxpayers' money or will you know, be an incentive for job creation in the or country. Or for
0: farmers or whoever. Yeah.
1: And even when there are announcements of, say, new jobs or reform in a system, it's always presented as, we've got 400 jobs today. It's not presented as, this is actually something we're going to invest in for the future. The only exception to that is the sort of the general broad investment in, or not investment in, but encouraging of computer multinational computer-based multinational companies to come and settle here to mm. employ people in
0: Ireland. But that's been going on for a long time.
1: Yeah. That, well, that's just because the, the business the has been rising in And the idea right? is
0: very good at what they do. Yeah, they're, they're great. They're long-term thinkers. That's that's their whole job. Yeah. But like, I know that Michael Noonan has a long-term plan. I don't like it, but I'm aware of what it is because mm-hmm. Michael Noonan will come out and tell you <laughs> yeah. in that kind of, you know, slightly odd limerick way of his of coming out and going, I have a plan. And like, oh, <laughs> please don't tell me.
1: And uh, sometimes it's at three in the morning and sometimes it's at two in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, but like he has been pretty consistent. He, yeah. he, he's, he has hit all of his targets that he wanted to hit. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to see the fiscal state by this place in this place. It's all metric driven because he's a very metric-driven finance minister. I want to do this with the money, I want to see it go from here to here. And, it, and he has long-term projections going to like 2050 because the EU have made him do it, but also because I think he actually likes that, right? He seems to enjoy hiding behind a web of macroeconomic data that he knows that the average Irish journalist looks at and goes, <laughs> what language is that? Um, he has it, but, the, but he's not in leadership anymore. I mean, he's on his way out. Yeah. It's it's the there there that worries me. It's, it's not that the government might last nine months or 18 months. That doesn't worry me, right? We'll have another election and something will come for it. Or we'll have a couple. The chaos riding thing does never worry me. What I worry about is that we have a party that has no sense of what it
1: wants to do. It just looks scared that it's not going to be elected. That's that's what the election was. Yeah, I it was mean like this might not work what we do. But we like
0: do? but they weren't even good populists. Like fall <laughs> no. were great populists. <laughs> fall were always terrified of not being in power cuz like shit, where do we get uh. the patronage jobs? But they spent money. They were a they were a party that were all about infrastructure. They were about stimulus.
1: Stimulus, infrastructure and jobs jumping voice. and also jumping on anti water charges.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But that's that's great old school populism, Find yeah. <laughs> something and run with it, you know. But Fine and Gael are not like that. They're not really populist. In a way, because they have scruples, right? Because they do actually yeah. have, you know, I don't like a lot of their scruples, but they do have them. They're like, no, no, we're responsible. We're not going to do that, you know. Yeah. But also because I don't think they fundamentally want to... I don't think their end goal in their heart of hearts is to see a larger state. I don't think their end goal is to see no state, But I think it is to see a smaller state. And I think that's really hard to try on in a country where the state controls between 35 and 45% of the gross domestic product. I think that's a real problem. If you think that, but you're in a country that has a big state that is everywhere, Mm -hmm. it's hard to hold that view.
1: Well, it's hard to explain it in a way that isn't... Scary? Yeah. But I think the only prediction that I would have and despite some of the sort of apparent sort of discord or lack of cohesion in the current government, I think it's actually going to hold together for up until the budget. It just depends on whether essentially Fianna decide to allow the budgets to be passed or not. And that's when we really start to see how far on board and what decisions that are made over the next six months, how do they react with Ultimately, the part of the population.
0: I mean, we could see. I, I I agree with you. I think we could see a situation where the can cardinal might have to vote.
1: Mm-hmm. And that, the can cardinal was recently suggested we part the cope. Was that? Recent? No,
0: the we we elected. Uh, well, we the country. The, the, the they elect the country decided that a guy called Chano Fjergal, who was a Fianna is now the can uh-huh. Um But he's not a normal Fianna Fala. Like he's a different. He's not. He's not like a Cowan tribal kind of. He's not one of them. No. Um, he, there hasn't been a Cowan quota who's had to do a tie-breaking vote in twenty years. So we're in that we're in that territory. Um, yeah, I think they'll only be able to pass the budget if it's actually like that guy said, Coleman said, if it's a lefty budget. Yeah. They're not going to accept anything but even like a soft lefty budget. But they're going to have to spend money. But, I mean, I think that's something that they're going to have to... They need to spend money now. So they need to figure out where do they borrow it from and where do they send it.
1: So this is the end of episode 14 of Spoiler Rain. I hope you'd like our discussion on... The fallout of actually having a government now after 70, 70 days. I the think a lot of people, that, by the way, hasn't done anything. But yeah, yes, the yeah, government nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's. Uh, I think a lot of people. when I were speaking to them about. they were like, well, we did fight for seventy days. How does we just keep going?
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not Belgium.
1: <laughs> no, no.
0: Um, and so that's it for this episode. You can contact us on Twitter at spoil your Rain, like us on Facebook, and please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a comment on rating. It please, uh, it helps us
1: get up in the rankings and helps people find this podcast. Another thing is that we have spoil your Rain at gmail.com. So pop us an email, or maybe you'd like to come and discuss something on the show if you have sort of a niece issue or would like to propose a topic, we'd be very interested to discuss that. So again, it's spoilyourrain at gmail.com.